Lance is trolling YouTube this morning. Um, in a good way. He's a friendly troller. Um, well, sometimes. It depends. Some, some days he's very ornery. I don't know. Wakes up on the depends wrong. Depends if, if he's had his Metamucil yet or not. Yeah, I guess. He mixes it in the coffee. You know, he's got that. Or, let's say, the wife, ki you know, wife kicks him out of bed. Whatever it is. Um, so we, we really appreciate you being with us, whether you on, listen on the radio or on YouTube. And then, obviously, this podcast. So we try to hit you from all the different electronic channels. Kick you right in the bits uh, and bites. Um, so, uh, actually, TK had a really good question about real estate peaking. Uh, feels like it by observation. I think it's a good observation, TK. Um, I keep track on a spreadsheet of Zillow and how long homes are staying on the market. And I, what I've noticed is there's a sense of normalcy going on. Like, um, I still think it's a seller's market. Um, and I don't know how much prices might fall from here. But I think next year you might shift more to be more normal because of what I've noticed so far. And I know we're going into the season where it's not really popular to buy a home. But I've noticed how houses are staying on the market. Uh, based on my calculations, it's about 25% longer than it was uh, through the frenzy. So it's sort of crested and it's starting to move down. Um, on an interesting note, I was looking yesterday about at home equity loans and home improvements. And the number of home loans per 1,000 Texans was doubled the national average. So this is interesting, Danny, because we talk about this at our retirement right lane. Disability services, $26,000. When we, we talk about our right lane, we talk about long-term care and aging at home because most people do not want to, they really would prefer to age at home. And with technology today, it makes it easier for things to come to them and stay in communication. And we talk about what renovations might cost. You know, maybe you need to move your cabinets. You need to put, you know, change up your bathroom, add a ramp, right? So it's interesting to see that in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's 26313 for disability services, um, where in Austin, the biggie is um, interior remodeling at 55000 So, um we were in that very popular home improvement, uh, you know, spring, March, most popular month, followed by April and May. I, I know Lance was retrograding his house in, in anticipation of these things, the working from home. And so lots of people have been doing this as well. And I, 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 Generally. I have the same type of um, kind of insight from what you're seeing. I'm seeing houses sitting on the market much longer I'm seeing actually owners dropping prices. I don't think that we're in the environment that we once were where mm -hmm. you could throw some crazy number out there and expect people just to go after it. Um, we may be seeing this actually peak right now um, or over the summer we actually did potentially. But, you know, every time I've thought that over the last year, we've seen it. We've seen that frenzy heat back up. Um, we'll see. Do we get into the the end of the fourth quarter where we kind of get people moving around once again? And does that occur? Um well, I think, it's be... I think there's still going to be, to your point, Danny, I, I personally believe it's still going to be a seller's market because as more people yep. work from home, more people want to move, you know, the trend is still there. But I think some of the heat has, you know, it's like, it's like an oven at Thanksgiving. Like, this is how I think we add stock positions. Like, when we add to positions, we're not waiting for the Thanksgiving oven that's been running for eight hours to go cold. 
while waiting for it so at least you could touch it. It gets warm. So I think the housing market gets a little bit cooler um, and it gives buyers a little bit more leverage to maybe not have to, you know, bid over the asking prices. And then what I've noticed is the prices that are coming in initially are about 10, 5 to 10 percent lower than what sellers were trying to do before. So they're not trying to get one over because the market's hot. They're trying to adjust more accordingly to what the average is for that area. Um, so that to me is an improvement. You know, I don't think you may see house prices drop, but I think that maybe buyers might have a little bit more leverage because you're really pretty much pricing them out uh, right now. And obviously rents are going up quite a bit when we keep looking at inflation and look at the equivalent rent because um, mortgages aren't in there. We see that inflation really hit that area. And again, we've talked about it. It all comes from the fuel of, hey, I need fuel in this car and the fuel of wages and wages, real wages are negative um, because of inflation um, overall. So a lot of dynamics going on right now, Danny, right? It's like, phew, man, it's, you can't keep track of it all. What's most- no, there, there, yeah. there are so many moving parts, yep. Rich, and you, you're right. You know, I talked to a hiring manager yesterday for a pretty large uh, company in town, and he said they've gone as far as, you know, they have the recruiters who look for people for them. Um, they've started to work with temp agencies. He said he's gone back to them even this last week, said, are we appropriately, you know, are our salaries appropriately matched to the job? Because he can't figure out why they can't get anybody to come to work. And this is across the board. I said, no, you, you're fine. There's just a, there's not enough workers out there. Well, so where have they yeah. all gone? No, and I think and we, we talked about this on the show last year. What I talked about was something called transitional unemployment, where people are going to reassess what they want to do. And I just read an article a couple of days ago in the Wall Street Journal about that, where millennials and Gen Zs, but mostly millennials, were looking at, I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life. It's almost like a job self-discovery. It's not like they don't want to work from what I read in the article. They're going back for certain training. They're going back to school, yet still working part-time. In other words, they don't want to go back to what they were doing because something clicked in their head during the pandemic that, hey, I'm spending my life working. I I need to change. Also, some great studies that are still coming out that I read that over 54% of employee, uh, employees polled said that if I went, had to go back to work in an office every day, I would look for another job. I demand that at least I have a hybrid schedule. And so I think it's a combination of things, Danny, and this transitional unemployment where I'm trying to build another career, do something different. I was working this job, before the pandemic, now I don't want to do it anymore. I think that is part of it. I think that is part of it. But what it's doing is it's creating like Walmart just raised their wages, I think, to 15 bucks an hour for like 560,000 employees to like a little over 15 bucks an hour, maybe to $16 an hour. Um, it'll be soon where I'm going to be working at Walmart or Bucky's. I think Bucky's will give you full benefits, Rich. That's not a bad bad gig there. I had a I had a, I posted a meme on Facebook yesterday, and it shows a police officer, and that 
It says when you find out the assistant manager at Bucky's could make $60,000 a year, and then you see the police officer slowly wharf into a beaver and then wearing the Bucky's hat. Rich, I just don't know how you'd fare around all those people. I'm not sure if this would be the right the right. Oh, gig I'd for be you. in the fudge. Oh, I love it. Actually, I love working retail. I, I worked at Macy's Herald Square um, before I went into finance. I loved it for Christmas and all that. I mean, I don't know. Get it, that's, there's an energy to that. And if I'm selling happiness like fudge, who's going to yell at me? I mean, I'm going to be like Willy Wonka, except I'm going to look like a beaver. I'm going to have a beaver hat. I mean. Richard Wonka. Yeah. Billy Beaver would be my name. Actually, I would change my name to Billy. And people would call me Billy Beaver. Um, so that's my going to be my next career. Um, so, so you all know, Lance, now you know. I'll be working at Bucky's. Um, come see me. Come see me. I don't know. Not the one in Giddings, though, because that's too small. Probably see Madisonville. That would probably be the one I'm at. Well, Waller. Maybe Waller. Okay. So... Brilliant concept, Bucky's. If you all don't know about Bucky's, you got to look it up because it's sheer simplicity, but brilliance. So my girlfriend Amy, we went, we went through, and she goes, you know, I said I can have a whole house decorated by Bucky's. I mean, they actually had, they had like Thanksgiving stuff out, and it's actually good stuff. I mean, I said my house is like Bucky's. <laughs> it's decorated from Bucky's. It's like Walmart with taste. It is. I mean, they, I, the buyers, oh, the, the marketers, the marketing department is amazing there. How they pick stuff that doesn't look cheap, but it's affordably priced. Um, I don't know. It's just a brilliant. That What a case study for college on Bucky's. Um, so you have a concentrated position. Energy is done well. I'm in this camp, Danny, that I think because of all the political wranglings and the demand for energy. I didn't see everybody lining up at a gas station for electricity um, in Louisiana. Terrible thing that's happened there. Uh, they're lining up to fill their gas, their gas vehicles. I just think that energy prices are going to stay higher. That is purely a guess, everybody. Just, just an anecdotal sort of gut kind of thing. And we'll see it. Now, obviously, energy stocks ebb and flow, but they have recovered quite a bit from the pandemic. I talked to clients yesterday that are over-concentrated in one particular company. And I said, listen, what is investment nirvana? While the skies are clear and the water looks like glass, are we going to sell some of this energy stock that you are over-concentrated and I want you to feel the pain you felt during the pandemic. You got more than 20% of your liquid net worth in this company. Why not we create a strategy in the face of blue skies versus in the middle of the storm and I need to take shelter and I want to talk about and things if you have a concentrated position or say you just let a position run you have a position that just taken over your portfolio because it's done so well we'll want to talk about those steps when we get back here on the real investment show stay tuned we talked about beavers and i'm going to be talking about squirrels in a minute so i guess i swear i know my head is um so we'll talk about squirreling away nuts when it comes to concentrated positions but before we get to that 
retirement right lane class, but coming back and doing it live, two places. One, Woodlands, right? September 18th, it's a Saturday morning. Sign up at realinvestmentadvice.com. It is really our two-hour class on everything you need to know to make proper decisions, to be what I call ready to launch into retirement. You know, all we have to do is get you to that escape velocity to launch into retirement. This class will do it. We cover taxes, Social Security, Medicare, tax-efficient withdrawals out of your retirement accounts. And if you don't think taxes are going up for you, it's just going to be those who make 400000 or more. That's a lie. Taxes are going up. Then we also have October 16th in Austin. This is what I love, this drive to Austin. Danny, I leave at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning to get to Austin. And I have to go through the Buckies and Giddings. It's the smaller Buckies, but I still stop. I do like that little town of Giddings. So I do stop there. And uh, there's nothing like Texas towns. Nothing like them. And uh, it's so I like going through that. Seeing the sunrise above the little guy's trailer behind the Giddings Buckies. And I so envy him. Because I would love to be living in that little trailer working at the Giddings Buckies. Um, but no. Um, so, come visit me. All right. I have a concentrated position. My stock has done well. Wouldn't I want to make decisions now? And what I told the client yesterday, and he agreed, was we're going to sell some of this concentrated position at a really good price. And then this is what I want you to do with the money. Because you have all these goals in your financial plan that you're looking to meet. But I want you to take the money out of the managed account and I want you to put it into an online savings account. Any of the proceeds that we're doing, because I want you to stock up your nuts for the time when the market and this stock is not doing well and you might not hit your goals. I don't want to... Well, what am I going to do with the money is always the question I get. And my point is, you're going to squirrel it away. This is the nirvana of harvest, right? I can put this money into an online savings account because I do need this money to hit my goal. In other words, so I had him picture the goal. Well, I'm going to need a car next year. That's in my plan. Right. We've already made enough in this one stock, meta taxes, to pay for the car. Why don't I take that money and isolate it out and then I know I'm going to use it? Now, that's sort of a mental accounting where I help people don't, don't look as money as, to money as fungible, but it helps people get the squirreling away and also selling in the face of strength, not trying to scramble and manage risk at a time of market turmoil. So we did that yesterday, and now we, we, put, a, we put away the car fund. Now he goes, well, I also want to take this trip, right? That's in my plan for three years. All right, let's do it. Let's take this cash out and also do enough there. So we reduced his concentration. We managed his risk. And we just marked off two goals on his financial plan. Score. What do you think? I think it's a great idea, Rich. I think the problem with many financial plans is that we're looking at these high watermarks and, you know, we don't ever take advantage of what got us there. Right. 
in in the long term, right? And so the problem is, is that you know we may write this this position up, but then we may also write it down. So we need to have that strategy to start to take advantage of, you know, one, let's start checking those goals off. Here, what do we have earmarked for the the near term future? I think that's going to be extremely important. And the other ex exercise I like to do is say, okay, well, look, we've had a fantastic run in this position. Many times, you know, especially here in Texas, we see a lot of it's either energy stock. We see a lot more tech stock now as well. And it's a company that that's done extremely well and that they're very comfortable and versed with. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to take these, take it in and put it in perspective, kind of like what you were just mentioning. And I think there's another way to do that too is, okay, what if you do see another 10, 15% upside? Is that going to be life-changing? What if you don't? What if you see this thing cut in half? And let's start looking back at different times and instances where we have seen stocks get cut quite a bit. And now tell me, what does that do to the, your goals? What does that do to your overall plan? Now, I think that begins to put it in perspective and it allows someone to start to think, okay, now let's be, let's start this strategy. What should that look like? Is it is it shaving off 10% every time it hits a new high or, mm -hmm. or is it doing it once a month? Is it doing more than that? Um, is it buying a put option to give you some type of insurance below right. it? I mean, there's a there's a handful of ways that you can go about this to That's give right. yourself that protection and take advantage of of you know the the current upswing that we've seen. But you're and and to your point, you're not doing it though when the storm is upon you and I'm trying to board up the house during the rain. I'm doing it where the skies are beautiful and sunny and. I'm going to take advantage. You know, to make that decision from a position of strength versus scrambling is so important. Now, that doesn't mean, because uh, people go, well, I'm selling. Like you said, I'm going to miss out on an opportunity. Well, I'm like, okay, this thing is a tree. And it's got all this great fruit. I'm not asking you to cut the tree down. What happens if I don't pick that fruit? It shrivels up and dies. I want you to trim some of it out, right? You're not selling the position completely. It's a win-win. If the stock goes up 10 or 15% more, I still own it. And I can look at this sunny sky scenario again. If the stock drops 15%, I look like a genius because I sold some and I socked away some of the money that I was going to use for a future goal. But the most important question, the part here is I'm linking the sell to the accomplishment of the goal. Have people checking that stuff off and knowing they've got that money squirreled away, not beavered away, sorry, Bucky, is important. You can't do that with every goal, right? I have goals where it's a lifetime income and I have to create it. Not that goal, but I do have specific uh, wants and needs that money will fill and I can check it off. And if I'm ahead of my, like, oh gosh, I need the car next year, but I'm, I'm way ahead of my goal on the portfolio because I needed to earn 3% on my portfolio. And a lot of our portfolios this year are doing really well, right? So we're, we're exceeding benchmarks. Some of our stock returns are close to 20%. Past returns are no guarantee of future performance. You are selling, you are trimming, and hitting your goals at a time when the skies are blue in preparation for when they're not. It's a, such a level way to think. And to your point, concentrated position, you can earn income using covered calls. You can buy puts, like you said, Danny. 
I could come up with a strategy to say, when the stock hits this price, I will trim this. What's cool about the people I've been talking to is they're not making the decision from taxes first. They're not, like Lance always says, I would say, I'll pay taxes any day on a profit as opposed to riding this thing to a loss. That's how I look at it. I made money on this thing. I understand taxes, unfortunately, that's, that's, that we can't avoid that. But it's sort of like cutting off your nose to spite your face. It doesn't make sense that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till this thing is a loss, darn it, so I don't have to pay taxes or as much. You know, if it's long-term capital gains and we still have long-term capital gain rates that are more favorable than income rates, ordinary income rates, even better. So you may have a concentrated position in just, you, you did well. You have one stock that's been doing really well. And, and, and this is not the, there's an old adage, right? You, you cut your losers quick and you let your winners run. Well, I am letting my winner run. But, I'm, but I know if this winner, if this winner keeps sprinting, it's, he or she is going to get exhausted. This runner is not going to run at the same level it's been running. So all I'm doing is giving it some air, giving that runner a break by taking some of that position off the table. But I think when you link it to goals, which means you have a plan in place, I think it's more satisfying. I think it gets people to say, yep, I need $40,000 for a car and I know I'm going to need it next year. And what, look, Danny, like you said, what if this stock is off 15, 20% next year and it drives most of your portfolio? No, let's, let's now put that money away for a car. And I wouldn't advise you to buy a car this year anyway, based on what's going on in semiconductors. Look at Ford, GM, what they're talking about. Next year, toward the end of next year, you're going to need a car. You got the money already set aside. In an online savings account that's earning half a percent FDIC insured because we don't want this money managed anymore. We hit the goal. And Rich, that's a great point. But you know what you're asking people to do? You're asking what? someone to actually go out and do a financial plan. That's what I'm budget. Mm -hmm. Those four-letter words, come on, man. But it is so important. You know, you, you mentioned something just a bit ago, you know, needs, wants, wishes. And when you can put those on paper and start to check those off, you feel a heck of a lot better about your plan and your overall situation. But it's also going to give you the leverage to understand how to use these funds and when to do certain things. You know, everything you just described, you know, trying to take these profits while things are going really well, I mean, that's, it should be intuitive or inherent that we know we should be selling high and buying low or having that ability to do so. So maybe not just checking it off the, the big bucket list of, hey, we were able to meet this goal, but also on the flip side of it, we're also able to raise some capital to go buy things. So we're not riding something oh, all the way up and then writing it down. Don't be silly, Danny. Stocks never go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> we'll be right back. We did get a question about budgeting software, Danny, and you know, I always talk about, and we're going to talk about Medicare Advantage and Medigap in a minute. Um, first of all, I've been doing zero-based budgeting since I'm like 12, where I account for every dollar that comes in and goes out. I love the Dome, the Dome Home Budget books. These have been around since the 20s, 
and you go on Amazon, they're really inexpensive. Go to Office Depot, pick it up. If you want to do it electronically, see, I think there's something about pen and paper that's much more intimate, that it's more effective. But if you do want it, I go and I really like, there's a weekly budget worksheet template on Google. It's docs at Google, docs.google.com backslash spreadsheets. And it's a weekly budget worksheet template. It's a Google spreadsheet. And it really will break down income, expenses, looks from week to week. You can keep track of it. You know, just take that, download the worksheet. It's, uh, it's really good. I had a client that's been using that. And before he retired, he's been micro-budgeting, which means he's accounting for every dollar because it's like his spreadsheet to put the rocket ship into place of retirement so that he's ready to launch and it's an escape velocity and he's using this worksheet um, to do it. So you can input there. It's, it's a pretty good worksheet. So I've been working with a client, Danny, who is really going between Medicare Advantage and Medicare Medigap, which are two different ways to supplement your basic Medicare, although Medicare Advantage, Joe Namath, He's promoting it. Jimmy J.J. Walker, Dynamite, Medicare Advantage. Um, they get a lot of airplay because they're very profitable for insurance companies. They cover everything, right? You can get your drugs covered. You might get a nice Apple Watch. You get, uh, you know, you might get a uh, gym membership. But, and no premiums. No premiums, right? Very attractive. Medigap is very different, right? Medigap, you pay the monthly premium. Uh, you're not getting any gym membership. You're not getting any dental coverage. You're not getting vision coverage. It's not all-encompassing. But it gives you freedom. It gives you freedom to make choices that you would not possibly make, especially in the face of a life-threatening illness. So this is how the client summed it up because he was going more toward Medicare Advantage. But then a family member of his who he trusts uses an independent agent and he went to that agent since he trusts his family member so much. And they pretty much matched up what I told him, even though I pretty much thought I lost him to Medicare Advantage. By the way, we're not selling Medicare products, right? We're pro insurance products. I just want the clients. We want clients. And we talk about Medicare Advantage, the right choices for Medicare at our retirement right lane. So here's what he writes. With my monthly costs are a little higher with the supplement, my maximum annual cost would be lower. Here's where he got it. If a major medical expense comes up, and that's what I'm guarding against. With my medical history, I want the universal access, right? Because I can go, maybe go to another state and my Medicare Advantage might cover the doctor, but not the hospital. Who knows? Maybe we have an emergency somewhere else. It's happened to a client of mine. With my medical history, I wanted the universal access and stability of benefits. Yes, on the surface, Medicare Advantage is cheaper. You may not pay anything at all. But maybe you're, and if you're very healthy and your cash flow warrants it, then Medicare Advantage, if you look at the Kaiser Foundation on healthcare, 
these plans are exploding in popularity because, Danny, health expenses are, hey, they're quite a bit in retirement. And if I don't have to pay a premium and I have an annual act, you know, if everything's fine and I don't have some major, major illness or some strange thing that happens where Medicare Advantage might turn me down, I'm going to take the risk. But Medigap, where I have to buy my prescription drugs, I have to buy a D plan, I have to buy a Medigap plan, that will cover you more effectively in the long term, especially in the, if you have a debilitating illness and you want the best care possible. What do you think? Well, Rich, I think we're seeing that, that explosion in popularity amongst people because of the current healthcare conditions as, as far as what costs are. We're also seeing people retire a lot earlier. And so, you know, we're seeing, you know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of questions on MediShare. Um, yes. We're seeing actual retiree healthcare benefits, which there are a handful of companies that are still offering it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they're offering the Medicare Advantage plan versus the traditional, you know, Medigap policy, which we've traditionally seen. And so, it's it's pays it pays to go and kind of look underneath the hood understand exactly what you have how it works now we are seeing some some changes in the medicare advantage space as well where it used to be all hmo all closed network we are seeing ppos now so mm-hmm. there there have been some gains that i think have, have been done there i think it's really important to make sure that that you know exactly what you have and you also understand the consequences should you catch something or have a pre-existing condition you may not be able to switch from that Medicare Advantage plan to the original Medicare Medigap policy like you think. Yes, yeah, so, so think about let's think about this for a second. God forbid. That's a, that could be a problem. Right. I, I I I've been working since um now I'm seventy. I'm in good health. I want to retire. I have a employer plan that I now need to I have an enrollment period, special enrollment period, where I need to get my Medicare in order. Maybe I have a because I did that at 65, but now I sign up for B, and I have to find a Medigap policy, and I have to find a prescription drug D pro, uh, policy. And I decide, even though I have an enrollment period and a grace period where I can go on a Medigap policy with no evidence of insurability, and I decide that I'm going to go with Medicare Advantage because it's cheaper and I'm in good health. Now I'm 72 years old, and I'm, I'm hit with a cancer. And the doctor says, hey, well, this is the treatment you need. But Medicare Advantage says, we don't pay for that treatment. We pay for this treatment. And you go, okay, well, that looks effective, but this one is even more effective. I'm sorry. Then you try, like you said, Danny, you try to get a Medigap policy and say, oh, gosh, I got to go back to Medigap because I think they're going to cover it's more comprehensive. Well, now... I need evidence of insurability, and I can't get back on to Medicare. I can't get on to a supplemental policy. Sure, I can go back to original A and B, but that's not going to help me with all the additional costs and this particular um, drug or treatment that I need that Medicare Advantage says, no, we're not doing that. The choice is taken away from you. Yes, it's more expensive up front. But if I want to protect myself to that degree. Now, Danny, what we talk about in, in the right lane class is, hey, you need coverage. And sometimes you just can't afford it. You, 
you can't afford the Medigap policy, right? You know, you know I'm going to pay 148 bucks, which will probably be closer to 149 next year for Part B. Then I have to pay for Part D. That's probably 50 bucks. Then I'm going to buy my Medicap Advantage, and that's like a 250 bucks. So I can't afford that, Rich. And we've done the plan that shows that. So, but we are playing healthcare Russian roulette here um, to some degree um, when it comes to which plan I get. Um, so we have very set rules, right? Your, your plan, you can't fit it. You can't fit it into the cash flow. It doesn't work. You're very healthy. You've been healthy habits 10, 15 years before retirement. Right, you took the living to 100. Your diet is good, um, and so you're willing to take that calculated risk. And every year, what am I going to do, Danny? Around uh, open enrollment, which is going to happen in October, right? I'm going to reinvest. I'm going to I'm going to shop around. Like I have a client that shops around every year. Like he looks at his Medicare Advantage plan, he looks at his prescription plan. He, and he looks, but he looks really careful at his Medicare Advantage. Is it giving me everything I want versus what's out there? He spends hours every year reviewing his coverage. And heck, even if you take a Medicare, Medigap policy, you want to shop your prescription drug plan every year. Most seniors don't do it. But it can save you money to do it because plans change. So there is a little bit of work when you're on Medicare Advantage and you are, and if you're healthy, you might consider, heck, I go work out. You know, I have one client that's on Medicare Advantage. He works out and he's in his 80s. He works out four days a week. And I'm not just talking about, you know, walking around the park. He's running, he's doing yoga, he's doing all these things. He's rarely, if ever, at the doctor. Okay, I understand maybe why Medicare Advantage works for him, but that's to me an exception, don't you think? Yeah, I think you have to you have to really know yourself, know your current situation. If it's a cash flow issue, or if it's just hey, I've been in really good health, I'm going to continue to to bet on myself, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. But just understand the repercussions should God forbid something happen. Also make sure you shop it's extremely shop. important to shop these things there's a lot of money left on the table every gonna, single year by not doing so and we're going to talk about this on our right lane sign up september 18th go to our new improved website sign up for lance's daily market commentary before you have your sip of coffee lance is going to tell you what's going on from a macro level and a market level hey we'll see you next week hope you have a really restful long weekend and lance will see you next week and so will we have a good one. Money, money, money. Money, money. In a rich man's world. Money, money, money. Always Sunday. In a rich man's world. While the things I can tell. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich man's world.